intercultural experience is to be in other people's shoes. It's not just a different culture, but why these people are here. All these people that I support, they have a really good job and they're making a living at a good wage back home, but they had to leave for some reason and leave everything behind and starting from scratch. To just talk about those experiences, that would give you a chance to understand what this person experienced and why they're here. They'll see their people and newcomers are given a chance to actually adapt. Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help newcomers, expats, and businesses connect across cultures to succeed in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hyaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathway to success in a new culture. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. So if you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest's experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. Today, we have part one of our two-part conversation with Meg Noteboom. But before we get into that, there are a couple of things I would like to address. First of all, today, June 21st, is National Indigenous Peoples Day. We recognize and celebrate the history, heritage, resilience, and diversity of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis across Canada. So in recognition of that, I would like to start off by sharing a land acknowledgement. Hiaku Coaching acknowledges that we are on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaties signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. Some of you may know that land acknowledgements are done at the beginning of many events in Canada to recognize our troubled history with First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. According to the Canadian federal government, National Indigenous Peoples Day is part of the Celebrate Canada program, which also includes St. Jean-Baptiste Day on June 24th, Canadian Multiculturalism Day on June 27th, and Canada Day on July 1st. And another bit of news, specifically for the show, if you want to stay on top of what's happening with Intercultural Insiders, you need to subscribe to Intercultural Insiders Info, the LinkedIn newsletter. This is going to replace the LinkedIn Live events invitations, which I've been using to publicize previous episodes of Intercultural Insiders. So if you want to know about upcoming episodes, the best way is to subscribe to the newsletter. The first edition was published yesterday, 
And that gives more information about today's and next week's episodes, which are both parts of the conversation with Meg Noteboom. It also includes links to the event page for next week's episode and links to the YouTube page for Hiyaka Coaching, where you can watch all the past episodes of the show. And also, if you like listening to podcasts while you're driving, exercising, or doing whatever else, the links to the audio podcast version are present there as well. And they're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast platforms. So if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to Intercultural Insiders Info. It's the best way to stay on top of what's coming up for the show. And with that said, let's get into part one of the conversation with Meg Noteboom. Meg is a newcomer mentorship facilitator for the Neighborhood Organization, also known as TNO. She immigrated to Canada from Japan and talks a lot about her experiences adapting to life in Canada and her own perspectives as a newcomer mentorship facilitator. Some of the topics that are covered today include her experience not conforming to Japanese society, but also feeling somewhat out of place in Canada. The difference between how you see yourself and how others see you when you move to a new culture. And the responsibilities of employers in Canada to help bridge the gap for newcomers. So, without further wait, let's get into part one of the interview with Magnotbu. Meg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me, John. My name is Meg. I am an immigrant. I've been living here for quite a while. I came to Canada as an adult, born, educated, and worked in Japan. I have my share of intercultural experience. A lot of them are struggles. I'm going to touch on it later. And currently, I'm working as an employer engagement and mentoring coach at TNO. TNO is a nonprofit organization, registered charity that provides social services to people in need. That includes the newcomers' settlement services, employment services, and the family and the youth support, senior support, food bank, healthcare, housing, community development. But my responsibility, particularly, is to support newcomer professionals to find meaningful job. It's remarkable that you're doing this kind of work for TNO, being an immigrant yourself and going through that. So I think with the perspective you have, there's a lot of valuable experience and insight that you're able to give to the clients that you serve. You mentioned Japan, which as many viewers probably know, I have some connection to myself. So why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your early experiences with other cultures in Japan and what led you to coming to Canada? I came to Canada willfully. So I wanted to explore something outside of the culture I grew up with. And also it's very adventurous. A lot of Japanese immigrants I meet here, they have some subversive quality because they want to get out from their traditional society and see and experience something else. 
So I was in completely in agreement with how the society works there. Japan's infamous about the workaholic culture, sexism, ageism, things like that. A lot of women are not happy about that. I was one of them. So I got out as somebody with a subversive quality and seeing things outside of Japan to make us more interesting or give a life that's more fulfilling. A lot of people get out from Japan and we see ourselves in a different culture and it's full of a challenge. I am not quite conforming to Japanese society, but I don't find myself belongs to Canada. The norm and how you develop to get around a society, that knowledge to navigate work culture, and it doesn't work at all here. Also, I want to mention that I'm working as a employment counselor and mentoring coach. So I see people's career profile, especially when these days you look at the LinkedIn. It's a very interesting. You get to know what kind of career path people go through to get to the point they're currently in. So I'm finding it's very interesting that early on, people in Canada, they have a career path in their head. Maybe it would change over time, but they do have certain idea how to progress to one place to another to achieve where they want to find in a society or the professional. For myself as a Japanese woman, we don't have that. Not many people have idea of a career path because women are supposed to be married and become a mother. And if you don't, you're sort of outlier. I appreciate what you were saying about not feeling that you fully belonged in Japan and Japanese society. And that when you came here to Canada, you had a particular image of yourself as a career professional, but that there were some challenges, the view of a career path in Canada. And I'm curious to hear more about some of the other challenges that you perhaps didn't expect when you came to Canada. Yeah, the idea of a career path didn't exist. So my mother was a housewife and she was a very capable woman and very ambitious too. She at one point decided to study in the States, but grandfather stopped that because you're a woman, right? You should be married. And she had to give up that dream to study and live in the United States. So I didn't have a role model and came here. I was a designer and also I did a lot of admin. I thought I would have no problem finding a job, but I didn't know about the reality of a Canadian job market. It's really difficult for somebody outside to suddenly come in and find a job and keep seeing a rejection and no response from sending hundreds of resumes. And you start feeling that, oh, maybe I'm not worth it. And it really affects the self-esteem and start internalizing all that. So I had a difficulty to overcome that. Other intercultural experience is that I think early on, Canadian, they are taught to express what they feel, right? The discussion. I see my son in school in grade five, grade six. He has to do the presentation every two weeks. I don't remember being taught to do that, to do the public speaking or logical talking, persuasion in front of public. Rather, 
we were told to be quiet, don't make deal out of the problems. So those kind of culture was actually really, I think, deeply embedded with me, even though I was subversive, I was against traditional Japanese value, but that's where I come from. And here I see myself not be able to express myself because I was never trained on top of a language barrier. Also, a lot of clients I face, I see identity crush between who you thought you are in a home country and who you are actually in Canada. I can really appreciate that challenging that you wanted to express yourself. In Canada, we take for granted we're trained from an early age and that's what we expect people to do. You should be able to express yourself, right? With your own word, logical sense. We don't have that the image between who you think you are and back home and who you are actually in Canada. A lot of the thing I see in my clients from a service provider's point of view is that a lot of people identify who they are with their profession. My clients are highly educated with years of experience in their field. So I help connect professionals in their field in Canada so that they can learn the Canadian labor market in that specific occupation. So a lot of people have a really shiny profession, like a medical doctor or the government official manager in a finance institutions. They all are jobless and they were elite back home. And here they are not able to find a job. And also some of them can't speak English that well. So that kind of difference between who you are, you think, you believe you are, and how you are viewed in Canada is really tough for some people. There have been recent stories in the news relating to that. There was an article in the Toronto Star about a disconnect between the government accepting newcomers with great skills and certifications and then how they're perceived in the corporate world and this assumption around Canadian experience. What could you say to that? So a lot of people talk about newcomers, how they should adjust, like what you should know in Canadian society, which is, of course, really important. A lot of the skilled and educated newcomers, they do need to know what kind of society they're getting into, how to navigate. But at the same time, I also want to discuss the Canadian side employers or people who works in the corporation or organization who are working with newcomers because intercultural communication is not just one-sided. The other side has to adjust according to how society is changing. So there's no doubt that Canada is accepting so many immigrants and Canada really prefers skilled immigrants. And Canada has this image that they want to promote globally, that they're very welcoming for immigrants and they want to grow and thrive with those new skills, which really makes sense because the birth rate are going down and that people are having difficulty in their own home country. A lot of them, they don't want to leave. They want to stay, but 
some of them have no choice but leave. They love their culture and their family and the connection, everything, but move to Canada for better future for their children. So they're coming in. The federal government give a point to the new immigrants with the better skill, higher education. They're inviting them to live in the stream country, Canada. So you're going to have a better future. But the problem is, like Johnny said, there's a gap between immigration policy and the labor market reality. So TNO, we run the pilot program called Bridge to Healthcare. And I was involved quite a bit in the process of developing that program, which is designed to internationally trained professionals in healthcare sector for them to navigate how to find a job related to their field. Because doctors are preferred by immigration policy. They say we don't have enough doctors. Doctors are welcome. So give them a lot of point. And many of them come to Canada and find there's no pathway for them to practice as a doctor. So it's completely blocked. We see some really successful immigrant doctors. Those are we're seeing. And we're saying, look, Canada's so inclusive. They begin giving a chance to all this immigrant. But the reality is a lot of them don't have a chance to secure their fellowship position. Without that, they can't practice as a doctor. And they have to pass two exams, very expensive. And it's really difficult. Whole setup is very difficult for immigrants, outsider, to pass the exam. So what happens is a lot of cases, they have to go through the education process in Canada almost from scratch. And it's not being communicated by federal government or immigration process. I personally think all this information should be mandatory given before they apply as an immigrant. My position is that I talk both clients who are newcomers and also employers. And employers, they are all for diversity and inclusion because it is important for Canadian society. Everybody recognizes that. So company organization and their corporate mission, they say we are very inclusive and we want to hire a lot of people that is facing challenges. We welcome newcomers and all those things, right? And when I try to approach employers, so we do have a lot of skilled talent. I often face not the rejection, but hesitancy. We need Canadian experience, right? They don't say it, but that's what they mean. What the Canadian experience entails is that right, they don't want to take a risk to hire somebody with the foreign experience. It looks great, but I don't know this company. I don't know this university. For them, if it's the same level qualification of the applicants, one with the very familiar job and the education, it's much more preferable. So they're not given a chance. As you said, this hesitancy from these employers to hire someone simply because they're not as certain when the experience comes from a company that they're not familiar with or the, the qualifications come from an institution that they're not familiar with. So what's the solution that in the long term, there needs to be a, a systematic change in an education of the employers? But of course, that kind of 
change can take a long time. In the meantime, for newcomers who are here now or are perhaps coming quite soon, what can they do to make their chances a little better? And perhaps you can even speak about your own experience as someone who is employed now and working in an organization like TNO. I think to talk about intercultural experience, how to understand each other is very important because for me, it's about the empathy. Intercultural experience is to be in other people's shoes. What I wanted to say earlier with the identity is it's not just a different culture, but why these people are here. All these people that I support, they have a really good job and they're making a living, a good wage back home, but they had to leave for some reason and leave everything behind and starting from scratch. To just talk about those experience, that would give you a chance to understand what this person experienced and why they're here. Employers should give employees this kind of intercultural communication. Do a mentorship with a newcomer is a one thing because it's a one-to-one interaction with a newcomer. So then you get to know this is actually a person who experienced a difficulty, which is really important because when you're just seeing a job application, faceless, resume, you don't see those stories and what kind of experience they had. And newcomers need a chance because they're coming from different country. They didn't graduate University of Toronto. I see a lot of the organization and companies give a chance to students. They give an opportunity to do an internship because they don't have experience. Same kind of inclusivity should be a little bit more in the corporate, also the government, so that newcomers are actually given a chance to work in a work environment so that they see their people and newcomers are given a chance to actually adapt. That sounds like an excellent way for Canadians to get a sense of what the newcomers are going through by doing that mentoring. Yeah, I would encourage anyone to network to connect with people from other cultures as well. I've certainly learned just from doing the show and from having the opportunity to connect with newcomers to hear their situations, not just the challenges, but also the experiences that they bring, the perspectives that they bring from another culture that can really benefit the corporations here in Canada, focusing just on Canadian experience really cuts off that opportunity. If they only value Canadian experience, then people might find elsewhere to go. And that's a real loss for Canada. Yeah, it is true. Because a lot of the licensing bodies and the professional organization, they put a big barrier for the foreign educated licensed professionals. A lot of them actually go to other countries. So Canada does all the work to bring the skilled immigrants in and settle them and lose them to the United States because they're a better chance. It's a shame. (music) 
And that was part one of the conversation with Meg Noteboom. And I can see that there were a lot of comments that came up during the show, particularly when there was the discussion about Canadian experience. And I wanted to highlight some of them from Doreen Fernandez. I love your truth, Meg, and I agree with you that the image that society paints and the reality of the Canadian job market, most people are not aware of it and how to prepare for it. From Vineet on Chandran, I feel Canadian employers need just as much of an education and training as they believe newcomers or immigrants require to be successful in Canada. We highly agree with that, as Meg said, and I think she will get much more into it on part two next week. It's a two-way street. If we want Canada to succeed, we can't just expect everyone to conform to what our idea might be. And the fact is that idea is going to change over time based on generational culture and also as other cultures intermingle. So why not start to prepare and work more effectively with each other? And we're going to be able to work more effectively internationally. Another comment from Doreen, I did a LinkedIn post recently about the values that the candidate exemplifies. If they show the ability to be adaptable and flexible and committed, then it is the manager's responsibility to train, nurture, and support that individual to help them grow. From Luna D, I think the government agencies and employers need to have a connect. Some people have no idea how much documentation we have to go through to tick boxes for our capabilities and skills. Yeah, there seems to be a real shortage of information out there and awareness um, of what's being passed on to newcomers and pre-arrivals in terms of what's actually needed to succeed here, the amount of paperwork involved, the barrier of Canadian experience. And I think, it, as Meg said, it seems to be more about, oh, U of T is familiar, but this other university is not. And that, I think, speaks to perhaps a lack of awareness on the part of these employers about the value that these internationally trained and experienced professionals bring. As has been said in many previous episodes with various guests, that different perspective that comes in when you have people who have these varied experiences is so valuable. And if we can make things easier rather than creating these barriers of Canadian experience, it just leads to a net gain for everyone. It's a net gain for those who are coming here to net gain for Canada. Part two with Meg coming next week. She talks about the benefits of mentorship and networking to your success in Canada and how networking helped her get her position at TNO and what newcomers and also Canadian employers can get by going out of their comfort zones to bridge the culture gap. Meg herself talked about how she went out of her comfort zone by having this conversation today and I'm very excited based on all of the feedback and the comments that are coming up. What Meg said has a lot of value and a lot of impact. And I can guarantee that's exactly what's going to happen with the second part as well. If you haven't already, sign up for the Intercultural Insiders Info to stay on top of future episodes. That is replacing all of the LinkedIn live invitations. So sign up for that and you get the link there automatically for the next episode, Wednesday, June 28th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. You can join in right away. So until then, keep navigating between cultures towards your goals. <music> <laughs>